that's hindering us from accomplishing your will, your plans, and your purpose for this church. And Father, I'll give you all the glory for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and high-five somebody and you can be seated. It won't take me long today to do what I need to do because we're really getting ready to, the next two weeks will prepare you for what we're getting ready to do for six weeks. And so I just want to kind of introduce some new thoughts to you, even if you think these are things that you know or you've tried or experienced, uh, experimented with in the past, I want you to listen with a fresh eyes, listen with fresh ears and an open heart today. Now, I, uh, over the weekend, was doing a study on the top 25 most effective churches in America. The top 25 most effective churches in America. Out of all 25 of them, only one of the churches looked like us. And in that one church that looked like us, they did not have what I'm getting ready to communicate with you about today. What they have is a dynamic speaker. But how many of y'all know once that dynamic speaker moves on, if community has not been built, then that particular organization probably will, will be challenged to move forward. And so I just want to talk about some of these churches before I get into my message today. There's a church in Alabama called Church of the Highlands, largest church in America right now. And what they focus on is building community. It's number one church. North Point Church right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Second most effective church in the United States of America. What they focus on is building community. Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas, community. The Crosswords Church in Ohio, community. The Christ Church in Peoria, Arizona, community. Saddleback Church in California, community. Christ Fellowship Church, uh, they're in doesn't say, oh, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. They focus on community. Now, some churches call this small groups, but at the end of the day, it's building community. You've got Willow Creek Church in Illinois, community. All of these churches are small group-driven churches, and they build community. You've got Elevation Church in North Carolina, community. You've got Southeast Christian Church. I think you all are getting the, in Texas. They build community. Calvary Chapel down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'll tell you a testimony about their church. Dynamic church. Their pastor had a moral failure about eight years ago. The pastor was removed from the particular church. They inserted a new pastor, and the church has doubled in size. The reason the church doubled in size is because the core of the church never changed, even though the pastor changed. I mean, you know, you should not follow personalities. I should have got a little better amen than that. I said, how I many I know you should not follow personalities? Personalities come and go, but the word of God will remain forever. And so I can go on and on. Out of those 25 churches, only one looked like us. And it does not focus on community. So the concern about that church was that if that leader was to move on, what would happen to that church if another dynamic personality cannot be placed in his place? 
what do I want to talk to Linked Up Church about today? In two weeks, we're going to embark on something called 40 Days of Community. The purpose of 40 Days of Community is to build community through small groups within Linked Up Church. If you're watching on the YouVersion Bible app today, let's welcome our YouVersion online audience today, or just our online streamers. Can you all just wave to them today? Glad to have you all. Best way to follow along is right through that app. The notes are right there. We're going to talk today about why small groups. I asked a question here. What is the significance of 40 days? Why are we doing 40 days of community? Why is there an emphasis on small groups during this 40 days? Well, God considers 40 days a significant time period spiritually. I understand this in the natural because I play sports. In high school and college, there was always something called preseason conditioning. And every coach believed it took about six weeks to turn your body over and prepare you for the season. So even in the natural, people understand that it really takes about six weeks for transformation. So if you look throughout the Bible, Noah, there was 40 days of rain. Moses spent 40 days on Mount Sinai. The spies spent 40 days in the promised land. Something I want to bring out to you about that story, 12 spies spent 40 days in the wilderness. I mean, only two of them were transformed. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who said, we are well able to overtake this mountain. Right? Only two were transformed. So just because we're going to go through this does not mean you'll be transformed unless you want to be transformed. So the spies spent 40 days in the promised land. David was transformed by Goliath's 40-day challenge. The city of Nineveh was transformed by Jonah's 40 days of preaching. Jesus was empowered for ministry after 40 days in the wilderness. So you would think if God put Jesus through a transformation period, don't you think we need to go through one as well? The scripture says he came out in the power of the Spirit. After his resurrection, the disciples were transformed by spending 40 days with Jesus after he resurrected. Well, what was the significance of that? If they saw him for six weeks, they would probably believe for the rest of their lives that he literally rose from the dead. So now, I want to challenge Linked Up Church. You cannot do what God's called you to do by yourself. There's no way on earth you can do what God placed you to do by yourself on this earth. What we'll learn is how God has designed us for relationships. Folks, the Bible is not a book of rules. It's a book about relationships. We're going to learn how small groups are important for us to grow in our friendships and in our faith. Folks, the key to happiness is not independence. The key to happiness and fullness of joy is interdependence. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Say, you need me. Say, we need each other. I mean, I know that's the truth. I was just thinking about the young lady's testimony. I call her Daya Lauren. I know that that's her stage name. But how many know she didn't have to stay in that extended stay? She didn't have to stay there. Thank God God graced her while she was there, 
I mean, if the community had known, she should have been put up in an apartment somewhere, given the needs that she had and fully taken care of. See, the problem is we get isolated because all we're doing is going to church. And we're not in community. So in other words, I don't see you, hear from you, talk to you until next Sunday. I want you to know, folks, I'm getting ready to challenge your theology. That's the way we've been doing church, but that's not the way God designed church to be. Folks, I promise you, you are not in the church right now. This building is not the church. The church is in this building. And if you take all of us and move us somewhere else, that's where the church moved to. Hello? Let's look at some foundation text today. Go with me to uh, Acts chapter 2. Not independence, but interdependence. Acts chapter 2, let's read verses 42 through 47, ESV. And it says here, and they devoted. That's a key word there. My wife just did an excellent job these last two weeks talking about committed. And they devoted. Other words for devoted, they were diligent, they were earnest, they were committed. So they were diligent, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. So information, spending time together, eating together, and praying together was important to the early, early church. How I many know you're doing none of that right now? The only thing you're doing is listening. And guess what, folks? You don't grow by listening. You grow by doing. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things common. I'm dreaming for a church where we are all together, and there is equality. There's no big eyes, and there's no little U's. And it's just simply when you struggle, I struggle. And when you need help, I run to your aid. And when I need help, you run to my aid. And with all of us together collectively, we will be in an environment where there is no lack, no poverty, no job. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about an environment where if you have a need, all the resources are in this building to meet that need because the believers were together and they shared everything in common. They were selling their possessions. This was so important to them. They were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and any who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now watch this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, you know, today, the only day people get saved on is Sunday. And that's why we're so behind as a community. I mean, you know, people should get saved every day. If you take God into the workplace, I'm not talking about putting your big Bible on your desk and playing your praise and worship songs. I'm talking about you doing your job with excellence, 
showing up before everyone else gets there. You've got a pleasant attitude, a smile on your face, helping the corporation make more money and be more successful. People are going to ask you, what is it that causes you to be that way? And then you can tell them, because the Lord is on my side. God has been good to me every day of my life. And every day I wake up so thankful and so appreciative, I have to give him my best. And people will want to know about your God and your Jesus. Hello, somebody. People can't get saved every day if we don't live saved every day. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Let's read this out of the Message Bible. Verses 1 through 4. Philippians chapter 2. Message Bible says, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, I want to ask that question. Since you've been saved, have you gotten anything out of following Christ? Has God ever healed your body? Come on, has God ever met your needs? Come on, is he who he said he is? Well, go ahead and give him a good praise right there on, on that note right there. Right? Said if any, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, watch this, anything, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, Listen to this. If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. See, when you get to a place where you want to give somebody else an advantage, then how many know somebody's going to come along in your life and give you an advantage? Don't be the person that's always trying to take advantage of other people. Be the person that wants to give someone an advantage and help them get ahead in life and give them what you believe God has given you. This is not about taking advantage. This is about giving advantage. He said, watch this now, getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. When is the last time you help somebody else out? Because how many know we're real good at asking for help? But when is the last time you help somebody else out? When have you made it less about you and more about other people? Come on, when's the last time you said, you know what, I have needs right now, but there's someone else who has deeper needs than what I have. And let me go be a blessing to somebody else. Let me try to give somebody else an advantage. And what you don't realize, the moment you help somebody else up, you just helped yourself up. Come on, I need a better amen than that in this place today. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. Verses 9 through 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 12, it says, Two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If I'm willing to be honest in here, and I am, all of any increase or success that I have in life is because somebody else helped me. Man, you all going to make me come down on the floor tonight. I did not get anywhere in this life by myself. Anywhere I have gotten to is because people have helped me. Where would I be without the people who helped me get here? I am not an island to myself. 
Linked Up Church exists because thousands of people said, I want to help him, and now it is my responsibility to help thousands of people. Two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. We've got too many of our brothers and sisters falling alone. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. How many of y'all know, Minister Johnny has, has convinced me that he has my back. And I can say this about all, all the whole staff, but him in particular has convinced me that he has my back. Now watch this. Stand up, Tim. If Tim was behind me, right, I can't see Tim because I'm looking this way, right? So I'm going about my day. Tim runs up behind me to attack me. Go ahead, Tim, run up behind me. He's got to, <laughs> look at that, look at that. Yeah, I didn't say that hard, man. Hey, it's about to, you all close your eyes for a minute. It's getting ready to go somewhere it don't need to go today. We're acting right now. Calm down. But you all see that because no one has my back. Tim's got an open shot at me. Now, Johnny, come stand back to back with me. And Johnny a little bigger than him anyway. But, but watch this. Me and Johnny standing back to back because I can feel Johnny. I don't really have to pay attention to Tim right now. Try to get to me, Tim. All I got to do is feel Johnny. All I got to do is feel Johnny. Look, that's all, I don't need to even know what's going on back there because Johnny's got that all under control. Notice, I never had to turn around. I never had to be concerned about what was going on behind me because Johnny had my back. I want to ask you a question today. Who has your back? Who's looking out for you when people are throwing darts at you, talking about you? Come on, somebody, trying to slam and slander your name, trying to destroy your marriage, trying to get you fired on your job. Who's got your back? Who's looking out for you? They are even better. They're, three are even better. For a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Everyone needs two to three people in their lives that they can depend on come rain, shine, storm, winter, summer, spring. It really doesn't matter. If I need them, they are there for me. Everyone needs two to three people in their lives like that. Hallelujah. 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 Who's got your back? Or are you just out here doing life alone? Go with me to John chapter 10. It's going to mess your theology up. John chapter 10, verse 10, the Amplified. says, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. 
Folks, I've got news for you. A lot of times people lose loved ones and they blame God. God gives life. He does not take life. And we're attributing something evil to God. Hello? And it's a trick of the devil. If you're watching me online right now, it is a trick of the devil. Watching service online is good, but being with the believers is better. I need the house to say amen to that. It is a trick of the devil. If you've got anything, uh, if you lost anything, someone's been killed in your life, anything's been destroyed, if it's been stolen from you, it was the devil. Hello? Notice what he goes on to say here. Jesus said, almost you can draw a line of demarcation right there. Jesus said, I came that they might have and enjoy life. I want to stop right there. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, I came that they might have and enjoy church. It's getting ready to shock you folks, but church is not doing life. See, we've become really good at going to church and very poor at doing life. And so we are at our happiest and full of joy on Sunday. But Monday looks like what happened to Sunday. Tuesday looks like, man, I forgot all about Sunday. By the time we get to Wednesday, it's home day, and we're trying to make it through the week. Struggling. Hello, somebody. He said, I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Guess what, folks? We're not doing life right now. We're doing church. This should be the smallest part of our week. We come together to encourage each other, to, to build each other up, to get another inspiring word so that we can go out and do life together, do business together, support each other's businesses, help each other out, pray for each other, eat together, married couples spend time together. Hello, somebody. It should have never been the next time I see you is next Sunday morning if I see you next Sunday morning because statistics tell us you only see members of a church one time every four to six weeks. This is why people are getting picked off because we're doing church and not doing life. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? So we've got to switch our paradigm here. So there's getting ready to be a cultural shift at Linked Up Church. We've been doing events. We have not been doing life. So 70 to 80% of what you've seen in the calendar for 2019, you will not see in 2020. See, it's hard. For somebody's marriage to fail when they're connected to other good marriages. I mean, the last thing you need to hear in your life, if my wife did that to me, I'd leave her. See, how many of y'all know he's in the wrong group? 
what he needs to hear is, man, with God, all things are possible. And God anointed you as the head of that relationship, so you have all the answers. If you'll just spend enough time in prayer, if you'll seek God a little bit more, he'll show you what you need to fix your marriage. And then ask this follow-up question, what can I do to help? All right, let's keep going. We're going to look at seven reasons. We'll only get to four today. We're going to look at seven reasons why small groups. Seven reasons why small groups. I will not consider myself a successful pastor until every member is either on a dream team or in a small group. I have failed as a pastor if every member of Linked Up Church at some point is not on a dream team or in a small group. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. I just want you to see that response right there because people don't want to do life. They want to come to church. Of those 25 churches, only one of them looked like us. And that one does not do what I'm getting ready to describe. We can't get along. know why we don't want get, to get together? We don't feel like fooling with each other. I ain't got time to be fooling with all this. I got one day I'll fool with Christians. And that's on Sunday. Come on, don't preach me down because I'm preaching real good right now. I'm saved, but I don't fool around with them Christians. I just want to make sure I go to heaven. I don't want to fool with them Christians. <laughs> Smoke is in my eyes. I think they had all the... I just feel like making the devil mad. Can we just give God another good praise in this place today? Okay. Marcus, I need you in my life, man. I need you, man. Where would I be without you, Bernard? And if God didn't, you don't understand. God didn't send you when he sent you. People don't know I was at a fork in the road. I needed what was in him. Where would I be without you, George? I need you. Look at seven reasons why. It'll firm up your internal commitments. Number one, it will firm up your internal commitments. Romans chapter 1 verse 12 says, new uh, NCV version, I mean that I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. Do you all understand it? In order for me to grow in my faith, I need somebody to help me. And someone else who needs to grow in their faith, they need me to help them. See, so if we're not helping each other, our faith is not growing. I love something Dr. Mike Freeman always says. Hang around people who have your answers and not your problems. 
The problem is we get around everybody that's just like us or lower than us who make us feel good about what we're in. We're not getting around people who have the answers to all of our challenges and all of our problems who are able to lift us up and pick us up and encourage us and tell us that we can do it because God did it for me. The Passion Translation reads that verse this way. Now, this means that when we come together, we are side by side. Something wonderful will be released. Notice, nothing wonderful can be released when I'm by myself. Something wonderful is released when I'm with somebody else. We can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. See, when I get around Dr. Mike Freeman and I start hearing about the 225 acres of land and they're going to build the city of faith, how many of y'all know I'm side by side and I'm being encouraged and I'm being empowered and I'm being pushed to do more for God? Listen, if you are the smartest person in your group, if you are the most successful person in your group, you need another group. People cannot help you, and they cannot take you where they have never been. Number two, it will wake up your experience of true fellowship. Notice what Acts 2.42, the Passion Translation says. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. How many believers? How many? How many? Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Watch this. Their hearts were mutually linked. Uh-oh, we are in the Bible. Come on, somebody. What were their hearts? What's that word right there? What's the name of this church? So that means linked up should be mutually linked together. Listen to me, folks. We are better together than we will ever be apart. Hearts were mutually linked together or mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. See, when a church is not together like that, you can have 4,000 members, but only 50 of them will come to prayer on Saturday. that smoke just kind of just shot up again. <laughs> See, how I many you know, because that's nobody provoking them throughout the week, encouraging them. Listen, prayer is the most important thing you can do with your life. You know, they say the average believer prays less than 30 minutes per week. It's not important to us. Is it not important to us, to us because the only thing that's important is coming to church? See, the mindset is I've done my relationship with God because I went to church. And I'm telling you, that's only where it started. Where is God Monday through Saturday? All right. Go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. It'll wake up your experience of true fellowship. 1 John 1, 3, the Passion Translation says, So we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard about this life giver, so that we may share, share, and enjoy this life how? 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 
say we're better. No, say we're better. Together. We're supposed to share life 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 together. When's the last time you had another couple in your house just to eat? When's the last time you invited somebody over just to be a blessing to them? When's the last time you called somebody and said, hey, let me take you to lunch? When's the last time that you were aware that somebody was struggling and you reached out to them and said, hey, you were on my heart. Is there anything I can do to be a blessing to you this week? Or are we just coming to church? I know this is a, a shift for us, but I think Lift Up, Linked Up Church is ready for this shift. How many of y'all say I'm ready for this shift? Listen, I need to hang out with other married people. Something's wrong with me if all my friends are unmarried. Something's really wrong with me if I enjoy hanging out with unsaved people more than I do saved people. I would have to question your salvation. If my attitude is I'll deal with them on Sunday, but I can't wait to get back to my real friends. Man, did they keep shooting that smoke up? Because I can't really see any responses out there. You, you all still here today? Something really wrong with me if my best friend doesn't know Christ. It allows you to affirm another person's worth. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, the Amplify. It allows you to affirm another person's worth. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14, the Amplify says, Take care, brothers and sisters. If there not be any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, of a un wicked and unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, Wow. A heart that turns away from the living God. Notice what he says. If someone's like that, but continually encourage one another, how often? How often? On Sundays. As long as it is called today. So if it is called today, I should be looking for someone to encourage. Right? And you'll notice the people who need the encouragement are the ones who are tempted to turn their hearts away from God. How many people do we know like that? That had we just picked up the phone, had we just called them, had we just reached out to them, maybe their hearts would have turned back to God if we would have been there to encourage them to say, hey, you are better than that. You don't deserve to be treated that way. You don't have to stay in a relationship like that where someone is abusing you. Don't ever be in a relationship where someone's going to take you away from God. Encourage each other. Instead of talking about people, well, she got caught up in this situation with this guy and ain't nobody seen her since then. Instead of talking about the person, why don't we call and encourage the person and say God loves you and I love you too and you are better than that and I am here for you today if you want to get out of that situation how can I help you folks we do a great job of talking about people we do a horrible job of encouraging people 
And the people who need the most encouragement are the ones who are out there struggling. Watch this by a show of hands. How many of y'all know someone right now that is out there struggling, that is a believer, but is not living the way that they're supposed to live, and they're out there struggling? Raise your hand if you know someone like that. Then pick up the phone, call them, encourage them. Well, I don't want to offend them. What are you talking about? It is our responsibility as believers. Well, I don't want to come across as if I'm super saved or I'm some kind. Well, then what are you? If you're not super saved, then what kind of saved are you? I don't want to look like, I don't want to look weird. Guess what? You look weird anyway when you don't do what's right, when you are schizophrenic, when you're saved on Sunday and live like a heathen on Monday. You look weird anyway. Why don't you take a moment to sell out 100% for God and say it is Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noonday, and Jesus when the sun goes down. I don't live for God on Sunday. I live for God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and if my friend needs encouragement. I am super saved enough to call them and encourage them. Folks, let's stop playing church and let's be the church. We got our soldiers out here just getting stabbed and wounded and we're trampling over them instead of reaching back to encourage them and give a helping hand. We're so quick to talk about other people. Did you hear about what happened? Did you hear? And it's so sad. People literally will have a relationship with someone based off of something someone else told them. So childish. They did what to you? You don't even have the whole story. Now you go with half information. Instead of being man and woman enough to come and talk to the person that you're having the issue with. We want to talk to everybody else. And so discord. Could you do me a favor? Encourage the person next to you right now. However you're led, encourage, encourage my daughter. Doesn't that feel good? Encourage the person behind you or on the other side of you. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Usher, servant, whatever, wherever you're at, do something. Encourage somebody. Doesn't that feel good? Now find somebody else. Just encourage them. Tell them they look nice today. You always can find something wrong with somebody's outfit. Find something right with it. All right, stop. How many of y'all feel better right now after somebody encouraged you? Come on, I asked the question. How many of y'all feel better right now after somebody encouraged you? And we're supposed to do that every single day. As long as it's called today, then we really need to think about who needs some encouragement today. And there is an opportunity so that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion. So this is giving us an insight how people get settled, uh, get hardened in their heart, and then they rebel against God. 
They don't have people to encourage them. They don't have people loving on them. They don't have people saying, you can do it. You can make it. It's okay. That's how important that is. You don't know what she's going through. And somebody said something to her that touched her heart and now is giving her hope that everything is going to be all right. Folks, I got news for you today. Everything is going to be all right. Come on, be encouraged today. Come on, keep your head up high. Come on, put your shoulders back. The Lord is on your side. Don't worry about what man is trying to do to you. If God be for you, then who can be against you? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than a conqueror. You are a overcomer. You are the right person for the challenge. The challenge knocked on the right door because you are the one to not only kick it down, but you're going to kick it down and open up new doors and new avenues for more people. Glory to God. Somebody make the devil mad and give God a big praise in this place. Hallelujah. Verse 14, for we believers have become partakers of Christ's sharing and all that the Messiah has done for us. If only we hold firm our newborn confidence, which originally led us to him until the end. Last one for the day and I close. Number four, encourage someone else to grow. Encourage someone else to grow. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Matter of fact, go to Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. In Colossians chapter 4, I'll just quote it. You go to Romans chapter 15. Epaphras prayed every single day that the believers in Colossae would grow and mature. I mean, we should be praying for each other that not only do we need to grow, but we also need to mature. Folks, I submit to you today, you cannot have healthy relationships with other people if you are not spiritually mature. I have learned the level of relationship I can have with someone is solely based off of spiritual maturity. And I have tried to have relationships and it just doesn't matter. So we need to pray that each other comes up. How many of you know if you don't grow spiritually in your marriage, your marriage is going to be challenged? I submit to you, marriages fail because of spiritual immaturity. Sure is quiet. Well, she did this, so I did that. That's called spiritual immaturity. I would have never went out and did this had they not done that. That's spiritual immaturity. That makes them your God. Because they have the power to make you sin. And somebody misled you because two wrongs will never make a right. Smoke again. I'm done. I'm just going to stop right here for the day.
Did you all get anything out of this today? Did you all get anything out of this today? I need you, Malcolm. Man, listen, I need you all. I need you. God needs you to get off the bench and get in the game. Some point I gotta be challenged to not come in here and just sit and listen. And I've got to be challenged to get up and do something. Let's all stand to our feet. This is just part one. I'll finish uh, the next three points on next week. Let's just lift our hands to the Father right now. I want to pray for this community. Father, I know how challenging it is for us to get together and do life together. But I'm telling you, I accept the challenge to go for it and to build community within Linked Up Church. That's why you told me to call the church Linked Up, because you want us mutually linked to each other. And so, Father, I accept that challenge today. I pray for every person listening online as well as in this service that you would convict their hearts today to accept this challenge as well. And may we be a church that not just gets together on Sunday, but we get together throughout the week and we learn how to not do church, but do life together, Father. I thank you and I give you glory for your grace to get it done. Your grace is sufficient in Jesus' name. One church, 25 churches in America, 